0: Stephen Farrer wrote a book called Finishing Strong. And it talks about how, as Christians, we should live our lives and finish them strong, as we've been singing in some of these great hymns about keeping us right to the end. But this is how he begins his book. He says, you've heard of Billy Graham. But what about Chuck Templeton and Bron Clifford? Have you heard of them? Billy Graham wasn't the only young preacher who was packing auditoriums in the late 1940s. Chuck Templeton and Bron Clifford were accomplished and doing the same thing. And even more. All three men were in their mid-twenties at that time. Someone after hearing Chuck Templeton preach one evening to an audience of thousands called him the most gifted and talented man in America today for preaching. In 1945, many believed Clifford the most powerful and gifted preacher the church had had for many centuries. You've heard of Billy Graham. So how come you haven't heard of Chuck Templeton or Braun Clifford. Templeton left the ministry to pursue a career as a radio and television commentator and as a newspaper columnist. Templeton had decided that he no longer believed in Christ. And he no longer believed in the validity of the claims of Jesus Christ. By 1954, Clifford has lost his family, his ministry, his health, and then his life. Alcohol and financial irresponsibility had done him in. He wound up leaving his wife and her two children, and at 35, this once great preacher died from cirrhosis of the liver. In a rundown motel in Central America. So, in the Christian life, it's not how you start that matters, it's how you finish. And today, that's why we're going to look at how Solomon finishes. We know that he, start, well, he started well, didn't he? Over the last few weeks, Andrew has been telling us all about Solomon, his famous dream and uh, when he was offered everything what did he ask for? He asked for wisdom and as we know God gave him wisdom and also gave him everything else that he he didn't ask for and as we know he he reigned for a long time he reigned for 40 years and he became immensely rich his father David, he had done so much of the work before him, he had conquered all the countries round about. There was a cons- He had consolidated the kingdom and he'd handed over a safe and secure kingdom to his son. And Solomon had control of all these wonderful trade routes and that had generated enormous wealth. And he did own merchants and traders. His building projects were known worldwide as we talked last time with the Queen of Sheba and others coming to see them, the palace complex, the hall of justice, the palace for his wife and for himself. So as we've read First Kings 3-10, to as Andrew has taken us through that, Solomon is one of our heroes, isn't he? Then we come to chapter 11. And it's one of these chapters and one of these places in Scripture that starts with however, or but. You can translate it in different ways. There were flaws in Solomon's life right from the start. But we know that God's used to dealing with flawed people, people who make mistakes. He works with flawed people even like us. He works with flawed churches too. When Solomon was young, he married Pharaoh's daughter, remember that. That was not forbidden in the law of Moses. Foreigners were welcomed into the nation, but strictly on the condition that they followed Yahweh, the God of Israel. It was only marriage to Canaanite women that was forbidden, and that was probably because of their such debased paganism that they had. But we read, as we just did a few moments ago, King Solomon, however, loved many foreign women, besides Pharaoh's daughter, Moabites, Ammonites, Edomites, Sidonians, and Hittites. And these were from the nations that the Lord had told the, the Israelites, you must not intermarry with them, because they will surely turn your hearts after their gods. Nevertheless, Solomon held fast to them in love. He had 700 wives of royal birth and 300 concubines, and his wives led him astray. And his many wives and and concubines were not only about sex, it was about politics. It was about consolidating royal houses and tribal clans and noble families and making really advanced, um, advantage of the people round about to, to make good political connections. And for many years Solomon went on like that. He seemed immune to the, to the dangers that he was leading himself into. Solomon knew what was right. Solomon knew God's word. He'd been, his father David had taught it to him. He knew what it was right for the kings to do and for the kings not to do. But he chose to ignore these rules and go his own way. Historians tell us that the seeds of an empire's destruction are sown in its great days and that the final decline is only a late expression of the earlier and fatal weaknesses that were already there. And I think that was certainly true for Solomon as his kingdom. Some of us may perhaps live with secret sin. We live our life with many contradictions. And if that is the case, it will only be a matter of time. Perhaps a time when there's particular pressures in your life that these secret things. Begin to appear. Like Solomon, these seeds have just begun to germinate. It may be a forbidden relationship, maybe dishonesty in business, it may just be lust or pride or greed. These things have brought down many strong Christians, stronger Christians probably than you and I. Solomon's wisdom gradually turned from ruling wisely to making political calculations. And these decisions often resulted in compromises with other religions and other gods. Solomon had crossed the line between wisdom and self-reliance. We read there, hopefully... As Solomon grew old, his wife turned his heart after other gods, and his heart was not fully devoted to the Lord his God, as the heart of David his father had been. He followed Ashtoreth, the godhead of the Sidonians, and Moloch, the detestable god of the Amorites. So Solomon did evil in the eyes of the Lord. He did not follow the Lord completely, as David his father had done. On a hill east of Jerusalem, Solomon built a high place for Chermosh, the detestable god of Moab, and for Moloch, the detestable god of the Amorites. None of that happened overnight. No one becomes thoroughly bad all at once. He began as Israel's golden boy, but he ended at the age of 60, really as a spiritual bankrupt. We thought everything was all right, it was all settled and organized and right when he had that marvelous dream and and chose wisdom. But there seems to have been decline in Solomon's faith in God over the decades of his life. Solomon's father, David, well, we know that he fell many times, didn't he? We know that he did terrible things. We know that he failed. But he knew what to do about it. That's the difference. He knew that he had to confess his sin. He knew that he had to repent of his sin and turn away from it. Solomon just seemed to carry on in his sin year after year. And there is always consequences when we reject God's law. The parts of the, that, this chapter that we didn't read uh, predict the crumbling of the kingdom. And the rest of First Kings and, and really the rest of the Old Testament are the inevitable consequences of what happened here. The division and fall of the kingdom. God did promise that it would always be with his people and he he will keep these promises but for the next few generations there will be a struggle and conflict and many years in exile. There are obvious lessons for us here, aren't there? If it could happen to Solomon it could happen to you and me. There have been many preachers who have preached well but lived very poorly. Evangelists who have filled thousands and then betrayed their trust. Their worshippers who have fallen in love with their own songs and ended in self worship. Church leaders who were once prominent but who are now nowhere to be seen. Each of us should carry, as it were, a grain of fear as we journey to heaven. What if we should fall by the way? We must daily, constantly stay close to God, pray for our futures as well as our present. We must stay humble and stay close to the Lord Jesus Christ. On a long road, there are many dangers. Just as we conclude this story of Solomon, I think it's generally believed that the book of Ecclesiastes reflects some of the thoughts of Solomon in his later years. In that book, Solomon tries to find meaning in a number of different things. The book talks about how these things do not bring satisfaction in life. These things that Solomon put his trust in and were relying on rather than the living God caused him frustration and pain. Let's just look at some of them briefly. He tried education. He said, then I applied myself to the understanding of wisdom and also to the madness and folly. But I learned that this too is a chasing after wisdom. The wind. He tried to find it in pleasure. He said to himself, Come now, I will test you with pleasure to find out what is good. But that also proved to be meaningless. He tried to find it in alcohol. He said, I tried cheating myself with wine. He tried to find meaning in his accomplishments. As we know, he undertook great projects. He tried to find it in acquiring things. I have owned more herds and flocks than anyone in Jerusalem before me. I amassed silver and gold for myself. He tried to find meaning in his sex life. He said, I acquired the harim as well, the delights of a man's heart. So here we have Solomon Trying to find meaning in education, pleasure, compliments, alcohol, things, money, sex, and then he summed it up like this: I denied my heart nothing my eyes desired. I refused no pleasure, yet when I surveyed all that my hands had done, and what I had toiled to achieve, everything was meaningless—a chasing after the wind. Nothing was gained under the sun. Solomon had more of these things than we could ever possibly dream about, but for him it hadn't worked. He only found frustration and despair. There is only one place that we can find true meaning and lasting meaning. Everything else will leave us with that feeling of being thirsty again, wanting more and more. Remember what Jesus said to the woman at the well who had tried to find satisfaction in so many things. He said, everyone who drinks this water, the water at the well that they were at, will be thirsty again. Whoever drinks the water I will give them Will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. We have been a bit hard on Solomon this morning, I think rightly so, but I think Solomon did learn his lesson. And when we come to the end of the book of Ecclesiastes, it's a bit like Solomon's journal. The last verse of the book of Ecclesiastes says this Now all has been heard Here is the conclusion of the matter Fear God and keep his commandments For this is the whole duty of man I think that's where Solomon ended up He made these many mistakes As we know But he came back at the end, I think, to say fear God and keep his commandments for this is the whole duty of man. We too can end our lives in triumph and enter heaven with that warm welcome that's been promised to us. Well done, good and faithful servant. No doubt Solomon is there too, wiser than ever. Why should we risk being barely saved when we can live and die triumphantly with that living water that Jesus has promised us, our Lord and Saviour? Let us pray for the, the years that we have that lie ahead and for our last days on earth before these first days in heaven. Just as I was Thinking of this this week, um, I just noticed this Facebook post that just came across like so many others, don't they? It said there, three things I hope I have done at the end of my life. Fought the fight, finished the race, kept the faith. That was that lady's ambition. Three things I hope I have done at the end of my life fought the fight finished the race kept the faith these of course are the last words of Apostle Paul we pray that they may be our desire now and for the rest of our lives maybe not be distracted by things like Solomon but find that all we need we find in our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. We pray that we may have that eternal spring of water springing up with us, enable us in to, to fight, the, fight the fight, to finish the race and keep the faith. May we have that grace as we live our lives day by day. Let's pray together.